0: So I just want to acknowledge my co-authors and thank everybody at the Historical Society for the assistance with photographs, images, um, helping us work on the papers and all that. So just quickly, a little history of polio. So polio once was regarded as a, a paralytic, rare paralytic disease of infancy and childhood. It crippled individuals for centuries. In the middle to late 1900s, Uh, of the 19th century, there were reports of small clusters in Europe and the US, and then in 1893 and 94, there were reports of some significant outbreaks in Boston and Rutland County, uh, Vermont. Once the viral origin of uh, polio was determined, it became clear that polio wasn't rare, it was common, contagious, and not confined to childhood. And understanding its infectious characteristics would allow eventually in the middle of the 20th century for the development of a vaccine. So what's polio? So poliomyelitis is a scientific term is inflammation of the motor neurons of the brain and the spinal cord. The initial term that was used back in the late 1900s was infantile paralysis because people thought it was just related to kids and babies. Um, It's an enterovirus. It's spread from uh, person to person. Primarily, it's a summertime disease. There's three types of poliovirus. And um, if you are infected with one, you'll get immunity to that specific one, but not to the others. Most infections are asymptomatic or mild, where the um, person will have a brief illness, fever, sore throat, headache, and vomiting. But in a small subset of um, infections, people get severe muscle pain, stiffness of the back and neck, and paralysis um, that could be life-threatening and um, also a lifelong disability. These are just some images from Shodair Hospital's archives. Shodair treated lots of kids through the 19th or 20th century here in Montana with polio. And just the hallmarks of polio. Braces, crutches, and wheelchairs. So this figure is just the um, the number of cases, the green line is the number of cases of polio in Montana from the 1900s through 1970s. The black bars are the number of deaths from polio over that time period too. Um, The first Documented case of polio in Montana was in 1908, and it was likely from an epidemic that spread from Wisconsin over here. Um, the legislature finally in 1913 passed a bill that would make polio reportable to the State Board of Health, so physicians and local health departments would have to report it. And as you can see, the number of cases of polio in Montana over this time period, it varied significantly. We'd have years with nothing and then years like 1934 where the largest outbreak of polio in Montana took place. Um, There were 321 cases and most of those cases were here in Helena, Montana. Um, I'd like to share just a little info on the first major outbreak of polio here in Montana. Um, So the first polio outbreak, big, big one in the United States, happened in 1916 in New York City in early spring, late spring, early summer. New York City had over 9,000 cases and 2,400 deaths from polio. Um, and the epidemic spread to East Coast states and Midwest states and there was big fear among western states in Montana that it would spread here because of tourism and railroads and people traveling. These are newspaper articles from the Billings Gazette in July of that year and basically there were regular newspaper stories about what was happening in New York City Um, and concern that it was going to spread out here. The Billings Gazette also published uh, one of the newspaper articles was about um, recommendations to the community about how to prevent the spread of polio. Everything from limiting kids' exposure to the dogs and cats to isolating cases, things like that. Um, there was also an interesting story on the far, far right of the slide, basically the health officer said things are looking really good here in Billings, um, our health is exceptional and we haven't had any outbreaks, so guess what happens the next week. So polio comes to Billings, well polio comes to Montana in July of 1916, you know even with all the awareness and precautions it still came and the main towns that got hit were Billings, Edgar, Hardin and then Pryor on the Crow Reservation. Dr. Coxwell, um, the state health officer, led the charge working with local public health and the U.S. Public Health Service to try to address it. Dr. Coxwell, with Dr. Savage's presentation, he actually came to Montana as a mining doctor in, in southern, or below Livingston, so that's his connection from Canada. Um, so the lo- local health officers implemented many things. They delayed opening the schools they urged residents to clean up the community. They prohibited. Uh, they canceled the Barnum and Bailey Circus and. Um Kids couldn't go to the local Chautauqua. They also, um, uh, they had a number of theories about what was the cause of the outbreak. Everything from filth in the community to too many flies to stray dogs and cats. And as you can see here in the lower right, um, they actually went out and killed lots of stray dogs and cats thinking that was the vector that was transmitting it. So all told, there were 111 cases of polio in the outbreak that happened out here. And the other interesting thing was, The only states west of the Mississippi hit with polio that year were Montana and Minnesota, so not sure why. So, Just coming back to the timeline again, um, so in the first half of the 20th century, injuries and cancer killed lots of more children than polio did. But through through these repeated epidemics, the public's fear kind of grew disproportionately about polio. So why was that? So a couple reasons were the disease struck without warning. It killed some children, left others in iron lungs and with deformed limbs and disability. And there was a major stigma um, associated with disability, particularly among kids during that time period. The other reason for the outsized fear was um, ironically probably due to a nonprofit Um, organization, the National um, Infantile Paralysis Foundation, they would come up, and they worked really hard to increase outreach and awareness of the issue, which actually probably raised the fear of the community. Through the 30s and 40s, um, there were newspaper stories about experimental vaccines um, to help address polio, and the public's Um, want of those things was really increasing along with her fear. There was a couple experimental vaccines developed in the 30s but neither neither of them worked and both of them likely actually caused cases of polio. So in 1921 um, you can see here FDR he became ill was infected with polio um, and he basically began his lifelong quest to address it. In 34 in his second year of as being president his staff developed one of the most successful outreach um, and fundraising activities to support his vision. These were the FDR birthday balls. Um, and they were held to celebrate his 52nd birthday and they would raise funds to combat polio across the United States. Over 6,000 communities participated in those birthday balls. As you can see, a couple newspaper stories from Missoula, um, they participated in it as well. So in Missoula, 2,000 Missoulians attended the events and they raised over $1,000 that night, which would be about um, $18,000 in today's money. And overall, that night, as you can see, FDR is giving the large check. Um, they raised over a million dollars across the United States to fight polio. So, this was kind of the beginning of FDR's mission to help address polio. Um, those birthday balls were so successful they kept having them in the 30s. But FDR and his colleagues re- recognized they were becoming polit- politicized by his political enemies. So he and his former law partner Basil O'Connor decided to go to a different route, and they um, established um, the nonprofit, the National Infantile Paralysis Foundation. Um, chapters of the foundation were established all over the U.S., and the public rushed to join this army. In 1939, the first chapters of the foundation were started in Montana, and the first chapter, county chapter, was in Weibo County, which is pretty cool. Um, the foundation raised millions of dollars um, for two things over this time period, was treating and taking care of kids with polio, and then later on to establish um, medical scientific research to try to figure out a cure or a prevention. Um, they also developed, um, the foundation also enlisted Um, many celebrities to help carry their message and um, at the end um, I'll have a little quiz for you of who that gentleman is and I'll have a little prize for the first person who can get it. Um, This person, uh, a celebrity, actually coined the term the March of Dimes that uh, they used as their campaign. So back to the timeline again. So by the late 1940s there was enough research done um, mostly all of it was funded or funded by the foundation that a, a potential vaccine could be developed. Um, there's also some good news from the State Board of Health. The Board of Health Director, Dr. Thompson, basically said, well, wow, the incidence of polio is actually lower in 1953 than it was last year, so things are looking good. So guess what happens the week later? Bingo. So there's an outbreak of polio in Park and Custer counties. Um, over the course of the next month, 13 kids in Park County would um, be infected with polio. Four would be paralyzed and one, would, one died. The majority of these kids, based on newspaper stories, were treated at Shodair Hospital. Um, but two things happened. The Livingston community mobilized. They used the funds they raised from their foundation chapter to care for those kids. And then they started fund- fundraising more to raise more money to make sure they could do this. Then the other thing that happened was state and local public health uh, mobilized and they um, implemented a mass inoculation of all kids less than 14 in Park County with gamma globulin. And gamma globulin is not a vaccine. Basically, it's antibodies from the serum of a person who's been infected with polio. And if you give that to another person who has has no immunity to polio, it'll give them short-term uh, protection against the virus. The supply of gamma globulin, as you can see here, was flown in from San Francisco to Livingston. It cost $60,000 and the National Foundation paid the bill. Um, Park County's health professionals, as well as their citizens, volunteered for the clinic that they had at the Elk Hall. um, And Park County residents showed up in droves. The first kid inoculated was Alice Harper, and she made history that day. That was the first mass gamma globulin program ever held west of the Mississippi. All of the other ones had been in the Midwest or East Coast prior to them. They ran into one little snafu with the inoculation program. It turned out Park County kids were bigger on average than most in the United States. Um, so they had Dr. Thompson had to go back up to Helena, order more gamma globulin, and then ship it back down on the night train. And by the end of the program, 3,600 Park County kids were, um, got, got the gamma globulin. So with strong public health support, the Park County community mobilized to protect their community against the immediate threat of polio. And just uh, uh, the picture on the right is just some of the nurses and that's um, the health officer, Dr. Means in the background, getting ready for the clinic. So I'd like to just introduce you to Jonas Salk. So as I mentioned earlier, in the late 40s, enough research had been done where a vaccine could be potentially developed. In 1947, the foundation recruited Dr. Salk from the University of Pittsburgh um, to conduct research on polio. Um, He worked on one collaborative project first, which was to to identify the different strains of polio. He worked with a number of colleagues across the United States. And then over the next seven years, his goal was to figure out uh, how to develop a a safe and effective vaccine, working with his colleagues. He ran some small trials, clinical trials, in Western Pennsylvania in 1993 that basically showed his vaccine looked like it was safe and effective, um, but a bigger trial would need to be done to really test it. And so the stage was set for a large national trial. Just want to come back to Park County here. So in Park County in 1954, the residents were likely had their, were remembering the outbreak from the year before and they probably heard the news that a national study might be coming. So um, they wanted to co- really contribute. So the um, county chairman for the foundation ramped things up and they started raising money to contribute to the large national trial. Service organizations, high school, kid clubs, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, everybody participated. Um, and they also had, if you can see up here on the top left, is a newspaper story about the local mother's march on polio. So this is a big event, 400 Livingston women volunteered and they went door to door to collect money for the, um, both the um, treatment and um, for the national trial. Um, the residents were instructed, if you want to give money, leave your light on on your porch or if you don't have a light, tie a scarf on your door or tie your shoes on your doorknob and then people would stop. And that, through all the events that they ran in January, February, and March of 1954, they raised almost $9,000. So if you multiply that by 18, that's what how many dollars it is today. Um, And these fundraising efforts happened all over Montana and the U.S. Um, And then, so that was good news, but even more good news came a week later in March um, when Park County and Gallatin County were notified that they were selected to participate in the big Salk vaccine trial. And simultaneously, Missoula County and Mineral County Health District 3 were also selected. So Montana would have a presence in this big trial. So here comes the biggest public health experiment ever, so in december of 1953 the foundation recruited the gentleman on the far left dr thomas francis from the university of michigan to put together a, a clinical trial center in ann arbor um, within a few months they had a plan together and they were working with a lab in toronto um, connat lab in toronto to produce vaccine for um, to immunize over 400,000 kids across the united states um, just want to introduce you to these players in the story in the middle is dr thompson the state board of health director. Um, Next to him is Dr. Mary Soles. She's the health officer for the Missoula City County Health Department and Mineral County Health Department. And on the far right is Dr. Carl Hammer. He's the health officer for Gallatin County. All those three folks collaborated and laid out the plan for implementing this in Montana. Um, So Montana had about 4,500 kids. The trial was going to focus on kids in the first, second, and third grades. In April of that year, we had about 4,500 kids eligible in those four counties. Um, so, I just want to kind of put it in perspective. So, just within a short period of time, five months, a national clinical trial center was set up at the University of Michigan. And with about two months' notice, four, our four counties in Montana that were participating got their plan together on how they're going to implement it and get a bunch of kids immunized. Uh. This is just the map of the trial centers across the U.S. And you can see there were some um, uh, areas in our surrounding states that also participated. And also at the last minute, um, the Found- National Foundation notified the Canadian and Finnish health ministries that they had extra vaccine. So actually our neighbors north of us, um, there were some areas in Alberta, Manitoba, and then Nova Scotia participated as well. So it was pretty well spread out. Um, so V-Day was April 29th, 1954, and they used the term V-Day meaning vaccine will mean victory. Um, so it started at 9 o'clock in Park County. They held the clinics at Winans School in Livingston and then Wilsall School. And over that first day, 600 of the 700 kids who were eligible got their first salt polio vaccine. And the remarkable thing was, of all the kids eligible in Park County, um, 78% of their parents gave them permission and those kids participated in the trial, so that's a really good participation rate. The other thing that all these kids who got all three shots for the trial also got a button that said they were a polio pioneer and then they also got a card signed by Basil O'Connor from the foundation honoring their um, service. And these are just some photos from the newspapers and from the Historical Society's archive um, the child on the left is a, Missoula, a young man from Missoula. He did not yell or scream, he just opened his mouth and said, ah. Um, they complained, the kids in Missoula complained that the tick shots they got early in the year hurt more than the polio shots. They did. Did they? All right. In the center is the first kids immunized at Manhattan Christ, Christian School in Gallon, and then on the far right's Emerson School in, in Bozeman. I'll well, we'll have to talk to you more about the tick shots so I'm gonna be real brief on this um, I'm not going to go through any of the data but one thing we looked at was how did Montana kids do compared to the rest of the United States and what we found was um, more parents in Montana in those four counties um, gave consent to participate in the trial than they did across the US and more kids in Montana who were eligible got all three shots compared to kids in the US ah, and I blew my big note here. Okay, so let me go back one, so after all the shots were given, the hard work started. Dr. Hammer, Dr. Soule, and Dr. Thompson, the local public health and local physicians had to go and try to identify every potential case of polio among kids in the trial, follow them, determine if they had or had did not have polio, and then report all that information to the University of Michigan. Um, So they worked on that from June through December of 54. And by March of 55, Dr. Francis from University of Michigan announced that they were ready to release the trial findings. And they did it on the 10th anniversary of FDR's death, which was kind of nice. So, you know, excitement and anticipation was building across the U.S. And at 9.20 on April 12, 1955, they released the uh, NBC Today Show was the first to announce the results of the trial. And this was the headline in the Livingston Enterprise. Conquest of polio in sight, Uh, vaccines revealed to be safe, effective, and potent. So it worked. And bottom line, to keep it short, um, the findings were pretty dramatic and unambiguous. The vaccine, the overall effectiveness of the vaccine was estimated between 80 and 90%. Um, And as you can see here on the far right, um, all the newspapers in those counties Release the kids' names who got the vaccine by school. But if a a child was in the placebo arm, they weren't on this list. So this is only half of the polio pioneers. So once the vaccine, so simultaneous to all this, the state health department was already laying out a plan is that if the trial was successful, how would they move forward to get Montanans immunized? So they had a plan, and then there were five pharmaceutical companies in the US that um, were actually developing stockpiling vaccine assuming that the vaccine worked. So um, people were already getting ready. The downside was the federal government wasn't aware that a few of these labs, pharmaceutical labs that were producing vaccine were having really, tr- having major trouble in activating the virus. And that unfortunately led to some tragedy. So, the, which is called the Cutter Incident. So. In April, once the vaccine was released after the trial from those pharmaceutical companies, um, five minutes, perfect. Um, cases of polio were starting to be identified in selected areas in the United States. And our neighbor in Idaho, they had 61 cases of polio. And I'll just to keep this short, um, pol- um, these cases of polio post the trial were all associated basically with one lab the Cutter Lab in Berkeley, California, which had some lots that had live virus. Montana is connected to this story because Idaho at, um, called <coughs> the Rocky Mountain Lab down in Hamilton and asked for assistance from these two gentlemen to help investigate um, what was going on. Um, these are Dr. Hadlow and Dr. Eklund from the Rocky Mountain Lab. They were the first to, tr- to determine that the, the Cutter vaccine lots that were coming out, some of them had live virus in it. So to get in a nutshell here, um, the Surgeon General um, asked for a recall of the vaccine, the Cutter Laboratory vaccine, and three days later they actually stopped distribution of all vaccine until they could investigate and find a solution. And by um, early June, mid-May, um, the Surgeon General reported that they had identified the problem was lots from the Cutter lab and they had Uh, requirements for new testing and safety procedures in place so the vaccine would be safe so just coming back so after the cutter incident public health authorities struggled but they persevered and worked hard to get people immunized so in june of 56 only 21 percent of eligible montanans were immunized but it it kept increasing Um, it was 60 percent in 1958 and then i just want to note That last little blip on the far right of the slide, I just want to briefly talk about the last polio epidemic in Montana. It happened in Browning, and the first cases were reported in July of 1958. In response to that, um, the local health officials implemented a mass vaccination program, and within a few days, two thirds of the residents of um, of Blackfeet Reservation were immunized, or at least got their first vaccination for immunized, for polio. Um, Yeah, and I'll just, I'll just leave that there. And then the notice on the right is just the, um, actually uh, canceled the North American Indian Day, Indian Day celebration for fear of spreading the disease. So between 1913, uh, when polio was required to be reported, through 1971, 1971's the last year we had, we had two cases of polio in Montana, and that was the last year we've had a case. Um, knock, knock. Okay, And the last year, we had a death from acute polio. Between that time, we had just under 3,000 cases reported to the State Board of Health, and we've had just over 300 deaths. So during that decade, after the trial, we've made steady progress to get kids and eligible people immunized. By 1964, 70% of um, Eligible people in Montana were, um, or p- kids less than 15 were um, immunized for polio. And just to give you a comparison today, about 93% of kids, toddlers, are immunized for polio. So pretty good. We still could do better. So just want to finish with a few thoughts. These are the polio pioneer button and the card that the kids got. Um, so it's almost been 50 years since the last polio cases have been reported. Um, many of us, not all of us here in the room today, um might have difficulty uh, understanding a community's fear of this disease and then kind of the anticipation, anticipation and relief once um, a vaccine was available and few well, some of us in this room today too probably have never experienced a uh, time when pools were closed theaters were closed you wouldn't let your kids play with other kids for fear of infection we're um, seeing kids um, walking around with braces and crutches. So Conquering Polio really started, the, init- the genesis of it was a president and his ally, Basil O'Connor, who basically set an army in motion to raise money to help care for kids and then also um, do the scientific research to develop the vaccine. Um, the cool part about this story, I think, is the public involvement in this trial was, has never been seen before or after. Everyday citizens who contributed a nickel, a dime, a dollar paid for this trial, and everyday citizens pretty much helped staff the trial in the local community. So it's something I don't know if we could ever pull it off again today. Um, and then I just you know, through these efforts, Montana communities, health officials, our polio pioneers uh, played an essential role in basically showing the Salk vaccine worked. So thank you. Who is the oh wait yeah that's why can I do a quick thing
1: anybody know who that po- well,
0: you promised who, who is that celebrity I showed you no nope. who is that yes you get you get the prize what is the prize it's a um, mug from the Montana Public Health Association says got polio me neither thanks public health <laughs>